Buenos días. Como está? Bien, gracias. I've been waiting to do that for a year and a half. I've been to Traverse City and never been able to say that. We live in a land where here, when my wife and I were here in El Paso, we were the minority. We were the gringos. We go up to the northern part of Michigan where only 2% of the entire population there is minority. And very few Spanish people are up there. Too cold, they say, too cold. But we enjoy being there. We greet you from the, the frozen tundra. And it's the reason it's called the frozen tundra. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of snow. But it's a beautiful place. God has placed us in. And on one hand, we see the beautiful handiwork of his creation, of God's hand. But also we see the hand of Satan killing, stealing, and destroying believers and non-Christians alike. It's a place where the gospel is desperately needed. Uh, as I said, a lot of snow. In fact, on coming to Chicago, we were going to fly out of Grand Rapids. And uh, the, the flight was canceled. This past Tuesday morning, they in, shut down the entire airport of Chicago. My wife and I lived in Rockford, which is northwest of Chicago, for 20 years and never had Chicago ever shut down its airport. But they did this Tuesday. Had a lot of snow. This past year, uh, we had 138 inches of snow uh, where we live. I took a picture of my wife, and one, one day uh, the snow was over her head as far as the road. You, you drive down little tunnels. And it's just the nature of the beast. But that's where God has us, and we're enjoying our time there. Thank you for supporting us financially through the missions giving of this church and also uh, through your prayers. But as I said, we're glad to be here. When we fought the Iraqi war, they said that this war was going to be fought like no other war that we'd ever fought. And you know they were right. We had precision military artillery The world has never seen. We had laser-guided missiles. We had shock and awe. We had the best military the world had ever seen. And when people say, what what do you need to win in battle today? We say we need to have the best soldiers, the best equipment, the best strategy. And if we can do all that, then we might have a chance. But one of the problems we have, when we translate that into the spiritual realm, we realize that God plays by a different set of rules. In fact, he says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. David said that in the Psalms where he said, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And what he meant by that is a equivalent of that of a chariot today would be like tanks. I mean, they were the tanks of their day. And depending on how many chariots you had, that would give you an edge in battle. But David knew that it mattered not anything to God if whether we did or did not have chariots or didn't have tanks. Because if you have the presence of the living God, you have all we need. And so this morning I want to talk about that. And I want to ask a question. I'm not asking for a response from you verbally, but I want you to think about this. What is the most effective weapon that Jesus himself gave us to win the battle against good and evil? Or to win the battle against Satan. Don't answer that loud, but just think about that. And again, we think of our, uh, in the physical realm, we got to have all the stuff. And we don't realize that, that, God, if we have you, we have everything we need. We have it all. In fact, I'm going to give you an idea this morning. And when I first say it, you're going to probably laugh. Because you can say, what is this pastor saying? He, he's crazy. But I submit to you this morning, the most effective weapon that God gave you and I Jesus not only told it it was the most effective, he modeled to show how to use it. And you know what it was? It's this thing called a towel. Now you laugh at that, and and when I first thought about this, I thought, a towel? Physically? Satan could care less about the physical nature of this piece of cloth that I have in front of you. 
But when you learn to use this the way Jesus taught us and model for us how to use this, you will send shudders down the spine of Satan himself. He fears this more than anything else in the world. Because when Christ is behind us using this thing called a towel, he knows his days are numbered. Because he can't compete with this. Because the love of Christ using this towel does great and amazing things. And so, if you have your Bibles, you have your phones, go back to John chapter 13. And I just want to highlight a few things there. Uh, keep in mind, when we come to John 13, Jesus has 12 hours left to live. He has 12 hours where he's going to be on the cross. And so, he's summarizing all of his three and a half years of teaching to his 12 disciples. In fact, we realize in a parallel passage of this account, the disciples were arguing among themselves who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. They were playing the game, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest of us all? And Jesus was just shaking his head. I can imagine him. Three and a half years, and you guys, you still don't get it? He said, now listen carefully. If you forget everything I've said in three and a half years, I want you to remember this. Because this is important. Last words are lasting words. When Jesus summarized his whole life, he used this thing called a towel to give an, a, an object lesson. To let them know what I want you to do for the rest of your life. I want you to learn to use this towel. And under the direction of the Holy Spirit, see the enemy put to rout. But we see that in the scriptures as we read, as Mike read earlier. Uh, you see that? Look down in your Bibles. Or if you have your phone, look at that as well. Look down in verse number 5. He says, he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel which he was girded. Now, in their day, Jesus was the rabbi. It was the responsibility of the disciples to wash his feet. But he turned the tables, and he says, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to wash your feet. Notice what else it says in verse 14. It says, If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, so you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you, or gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. And drop down to verse 17. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now keep in mind, Jesus is addressing the future leaders of the church. These were it. These guys were it. He put all of his eggs in one basket. Do you realize this? That if these disciples fell like Judas did, of the twelve, one failed, the others didn't. But if they failed, Christianity would have fallen. He put his his old emphasis on raising up 11 ordinary guys, or 12, and as we know from Scripture, one didn't make it, but the 11 did, and they took the gospel to the ends of the earth. We saw the greatest expansion of the church the world has ever seen by these 11 ordinary guys. They were not scholars. They were not religious leaders of the day. Uh, some were kind of wealthy. Matthew was wealthy. Peter was wealthy. He had his own fishing business. But the rest were just ordinary people, just like you and I. And Jesus said, I want to make this very simple, guys. I don't want to complicate the issue. I want to show you how to use this thing called a towel, and I want you to put the enemy to rout. Now, again, when we understand what Jesus is saying here, this is not what you hear in the boardrooms of corporate America today. Now, leadership is a big deal going on in the world today in, in corporate America. And if you go into their boardrooms and their pep talks, you'll hear such things as you need to have right competencies. You need to have a skill set. You need to have a great personality that will allow you to be a leader to mobilize your church or your organization or your business to grow. Now, you don't hear that in the scriptures. In fact, you hear just the opposite. I love what Henry Blackaby said, and I'm going to read it slowly. Now, keep in mind uh, what this says and let it resonate with you. It says, when God calls people, he does not seek leaders because he is the leader. 
But just let that resonate for a moment. We all champion to be a leader. I said, I don't need leaders. I'm the leader. I need followers. He seeks servants who will follow the leader in words and deeds, using the towel, preaching the gospel. He is seeking those who will humble themselves and use a towel to wash feet. Having abilities to lead is not as important as knowing who the leader is and following him is vital. The key is not who we are, but who he is, who he is. Now, again, what does it mean, then, to use this towel and wash one another's feet? It simply means meeting the needs of others, both saved and lost, with the, the attitude and character of Christ. I mean, I like what, what one author's definition of love is. He said, love is when the meeting the needs of someone else is the most important need of your life. And that is so true. That's a giving kind of love. That's the kind of love God gave us. And what that means is, as believers, this will really simplify your purpose in life. This has freed me from so much of the world church growth movement that says bigger is better and you gotta be, everything's gotta get bigger and bigger. And when we realize, we realize we can't save anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can convict of sin to draw someone to Christ. So what are we to do? Jesus said, this is all you need to worry about. Just do this one thing. He says, what I want you to do is look for needs. Now this morning, you may be here and in your mind, you may be thinking, God, I want to receive from you today. That's the wrong attitude. Your attitude, when you come to church, you say, let me find some needs today. And let me meet them in the name of Jesus. Let me love them. Let me find out what those needs are and do my very best to meet them. You say, well, how long do you do this? You do it as long as necessary until they say, why are you doing this? Because only then can you say you love them to Jesus. You can't make them decide to commit their life to Christ. But you can knock down the barriers. And using this towel, you're going to be meeting needs all day long, all week long. And so when you come to church, look for needs to meet. And then say, this week, my golly, I'm going to try my best to meet those needs or help get other people to help us so that we can uh, meet those needs. And we keep doing it until they ask us why. And that's when you know they've seen Jesus in you. Now, we've got to be able to think like Jesus. The Bible says we're to be like him. Philippians, Paul says in 2.5, says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're to be like him. That's authentic Christianity. And there's nothing more controversial as a Christian than using this towel. I want to tell you, you're going to upset people's boats when you learn to do this effectively. See, God wants us to change the world, not through power, but through servanthood but through serving and meeting other people's needs. Now, Jesus could compel us to do this, but he left his power in heaven to come to earth to show us how to do this. He modeled what it means to use this time. When we learn to do it, then we'll stand in awe, as we sang earlier. I stand, I stand in awe of him. When we see him using ordinary people to expand the gospel in areas that we thought were totally impossible, they've been shut down because of the enemy's work. But that's what we're here uh, to learn this morning, is simply see how to use this thing called a towel. Now this morning, a very simple message. I'm not a complicated guy, okay? Mike and I grew up together. We were in the same church together. We were disciples of the same guy. Um, God allowed us to, to minister together here at Coronado. Uh, when I was in seminary, he was in seminary. We had gone to a conference with Ray Stedman, and we went out to lunch with him. And, and Mike said, wouldn't it be great if sometime during our lifespan we'd be together? And God allowed that to happen. We are totally different. I mean, you know, Mike, if you're on the soundboard today, edit this part out so Mike doesn't hear this, okay? Um, I'm not going to dissect any Greek words this morning. I'm not going to give you all the different definitions and all of that. I want to be very simple. I want you to remember something this morning. I want you a year from now, two years from now, to remember this thing called a towel. 
And if you can do that, I think I would have achieved what God wanted me to do today by being here at Coronado. Um, but we need to understand just two simple things. Here's point number one. You cannot use a towel to wash another's feet from a distance. Let me repeat that again. It sounds so common sense, but when we say it, it begins to begin to illumine our eyes. You cannot use a towel and wash another's feet from a distance. I mean, you've got to get involved in someone's life. We used to have a saying, you've got to get down and dirty. You've got to be where they're at. You've got to go to them. They're not coming to you. The world's not knocking the doors of the church down to come to church. We've got to go to them. That's what the Great Commission is. As we go, we're to see, see this. Um, but you've got to get to know them. And it takes time to know people. You can't do it just from a casual being acquaintance of someone. But it takes time to know uh, their need. And then you begin to love them as Jesus would have loved them. And if you use, to try to use a towel from a distance, if you try to meet someone's needs from a distance, they don't know you and they don't know your motives. You know what's going to happen if you don't understand this? If you try to love someone from a distance, they don't know you, they don't know your heart, they're going to lash out at you. And they're going to hurt you. Because they don't know who you are. You've got to be in their life so they see that you have no ulterior motives. You're not loving them so that you can put a notch on your belt. Or get them to come to church. You're there just to simply be Jesus. That's all we got to do. And so um, as, as we do that, um, just learn to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? But you've heard the phrase, hurting people hurt people. Because they've been hurt, they lash out. It's like a dog. You've got a dog and they're hurt. And you go try to help the dog. They're going to they're gonna lash out at you because you're hurting them. And if people don't understand you, and they don't understand your motives of your heart... They're going to lash back out at you. Now, here's what God, Christ would want us to do. We'd say, if someone hurt me, I'm running the other way. She said, oh, no. You lean into their pain and you use this towel and watch what I will do. That's what he tells us to do by using this thing called a towel. Uh, but you cannot do this from a distance. It needs to, we need to be up front, close to them. When my wife and I were in Rockford, Illinois, northwest of Chicago, we started a church there and were there about six years. And I, one day I got a phone call. I said, are you the pastor? I go, yes. And she began to just start mumbling and, and babbling. And I said, whoa, 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 I don't understand what you're saying. And she was in hysterics. She was sobbing. She was crying. I said, I need help. I go, okay, I got that. What's going on? And all I could hear her say is, they're going to take my kids. They're going to take my kids. I said, wait, wait, I don't slow down. Let me hear what you're trying to say. And eventually she began to slow down. And she says, You've got to help me. They're going to come and take my kids. I said, who's going to come and take your kids? She said, DCFS, the Department of Children and Family Services. I said, what do you mean? She said, someone, she lived in a two-story house, and the downstairs, no one was the owner used for storage, and they lived up on top. It said, someone turned us in for having uh, unsanitary living conditions. And she said, if DCF comes to my house this Thursday like they say they are, They'll see what condition we live in, and they'll take my kids. You need to help. So I got on the phone and called a few ladies in one of our small groups. I said, can you go over? And her name was Nancy. I said, can you go over to Nancy's house and see what's going on? And about two hours later, they called me back and said, Pastor, you won't believe what we just saw. He said, remember when we read in the scriptures where Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, how he clouds our mind and we do perverted things? He said, if you could see a video of what we saw, that would be the definition of that passage of Scripture. 
He said we could barely open the door because of the garbage on the floor. It had been piled up for year after year. There were rats, there were rodents, there were spiders, there were all kind of animals running through the floor. Because downstairs the guy used to use it for storage. And he said that when we opened the door we almost vomited because of the smell. The stench was so bad. And she says, we got our work cut out for you. I says, well, you need some ladies to clip? I said, oh, no. We need the men to come. They need to bring their shovels. And we need to shovel out all of this garbage. So they started at 10 o'clock at night. And at 4 o'clock the next morning, they had taken three pickup trucks full of garbage bags of garbage to the dump. Then the ladies were coming. And they put on masks because of the stench was so bad. And they began to scrub that little two-bedroom little apartment down. And finally got it clean. That Thursday morning, and, these, and sure enough, DCF came that afternoon, said, we're here to check out a complaint. And they walked around and says, I don't think the complaint is valid, but we'll be back in six months just to follow this up. Well, we thought, we've done our work. Man, we, we did our job. Thank God you know, we were able to help. Little did we know that we were just beginning down a path of God teaching us how to use this thing called a towel. As our ladies got to know Nancy... They were saying, well, well, how do you live? Do you get any government assistance? I said, no, I get nothing. Um, I have two children, Gracie and Christopher. And uh, she said, I work for my parents. They help me out by giving me a few dollars to help here and there. But we just scrounge around and we try to get food stamps. And if they do get food stamps, I take that back. There was some government assistance there. Um, but she said, I have no education. I, I was dropped out of school in the sixth grade. And so our lady says, well, if you're ever going to make it in life, you need to get at least a GED. So they begin tutoring Nancy, and they were wise enough to use the Bible as their textbook to tutor Nancy. And it wasn't long before Nancy committed her life to Christ. And it took six months of tutoring Nancy to where she got to the point where she went to the board, took her GED, and guess what, GED, and she passed. And we were all a fork. And those ladies said, let's throw a party. And we had a big party for Nancy. Everybody celebrated. She got her GED. And they said, well, well, Nancy, what are you going to do for a living? You've got you to learn how are you going to provide for kids. I have no idea. I don't have any credentials. But she had her GED. So our people began to scour the one-ad papers. They went to, down to City Hall, and they found a job that the city was opening up. All you needed was a GED. It was one of those kind of jobs that wasn't very glamorous. It didn't take a lot of smarts to learn. But if, you just be, if you're just good enough to do it over and over and over, you could keep that job. They're not going to fire you, and you had good health insurance. And so she got that job. Again, the ladies called us to have a big party, so we had another big party. I love having parties. And it was a great time celebrating with Nancy. One day, Nancy was talking to some ladies, and, she, and they said, Nancy, what are your dreams? What, what, what's, what have been a dream of yours all your life? She said, you know what? I've always dreamed of owning my own home. I've always lived in shelters and, and hand-me-downs, but... And she said, I know that's impossible. I don't make enough money to pay even rent. And so we begin praying, God, give us wisdom. And so our people begin to scour grants, and they found a house. It wasn't condemned, but it was almost condemned. Uh, And through a series, and I won't take the time to go through it all now, by golly, Nancy got the grant, and she got the house. Again, we threw a huge party. But all this time, I was watching Nancy grow. Uh, I was watching her mature. Uh, as they became involved in the church, her kids became believers. I baptized both of them. I baptized Nancy as well. And, and saw them graduate from high school, something that just brought tears to Nancy's eyes. But one day she came and said, Pastor, 
I've been talking to a lot of our single moms, and do you know what the biggest need of our single moms are? I go, no, what, what, are, what is that? I don't know. He says, it's, it's, it's reliable car care. He said, do you realize what it takes for a single woman to go to a garage and say, I got a problem, and those guys see us with dollar signs just rolling over their eyes, yeah, we got good money right here, and we don't know who to trust. And she said, I've got a plan. And said, here's what I'd like to do. We have several guys in our church who are backyard mechanics. He says, I tell you what, if, if you would let me, I'll have the single moms come in on Friday night. Our guys could check the cars out, find out what they needed. I'll go and get the parts. The church would pay for the parts. And then I'll babysit the kids while they come and bring their cars uh, to, the, to the church. And our guys will work on the cars. And that began what became known as our single car care ministry. God uses little Nancy that at one time society would be willing to just throw away and get rid of her. But God redeemed her. And she learned how to use this towel. As she was on the receiving end of this towel, she then twisted it and reversed it. And she became on the giving end of that towel. And so many of our single mothers were so eternally grateful. Why? Because they knew that their car was being taken care of. And they can get from point A to point B. And they can get through the snow without having an accident or breaking down. And back then in the 80s, we didn't have cell phones. And you would carry in your trunk a whole car kit. So if you ever broke down, you had to get somewhere. And one thing you had in your trunk, you had a candle. Because we knew if you could light a candle, you wouldn't at least freeze to death until someone came and got you. And so that was such a huge burden off these ladies that I could get my kids from home to school and wherever we're going and not have to worry about the, the car uh, breaking down. And so that's what we see in the, in the, in the life of, of Nancy. Now, again, Satan wanted to kill, steal, and destroy. But God used some, our ladies to reverse the tables on him, to take someone the society is going to throw away. And here's a person of value that God loves, and we're to love them as well. And as we love them, God used them to restore her to a, a productive life. Now, if you're in your Bibles, in John 13, look down to verses 34 and 35. Same passage. Here's Jesus. A new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, notice what he does not say. Oh, I love this. He didn't say, they will know you are my disciples if you're a good preacher. Us preachers don't like this verse, okay? We think our sermons are really great. And the reality of it is it makes very little impact on people. It does make an impact, but it's not the main thing. It doesn't say, they will know you are my disciples if you're a great teacher of the Word of God. Now, that's great. I'm all for teaching the Word of God. That's what I do for a living. But that's not the key. It says, it's not, they will know you're my disciples by all the miracles you do. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, they will know you are my disciples if you have a big church. It doesn't say that. It says, doesn't say, you will know, they will know you are my disciples how much knowledge you have of the Word of God. It doesn't say that. Notice what it says. They will know you are Christians by your love. Synonym, using a towel. Loving people to Jesus. Man, that's what it's all about. That's why we're here. Yeah, we, should, we think we should just share the gospel and people come to it. If the Holy Spirit doesn't bring them, they've got to know that God loves them, not because someone says it, but they see it in action. And someone loves them enough to come alongside with a towel like this to love them uh, to Jesus. Now again, Satan hates that. But here's step number two. First, you can't love from a distance. It's going to cost you, believe me, it's going to cost you your time and resources. Time you want to spend other things, but you deny yourself things that you want and your rights so you can serve someone else with this thing called a towel. But here's number two. The purer the heart, the simpler the service you will render. I'll repeat that again. The purer the heart, 
The simpler the service you will render. Now, keep in mind, Jesus, he's about to go to the cross. And so just as he's going, you think he'd be doing all kinds of things. What does he do? He humbles himself, gets on his knees, and washes his disciples' feet. He wants to show them, not in word, but in deed as well, of what it means to use this thing called a towel. Now, it amazes me. People will say, I want to win the world to Christ. I want Christ to go throughout the world. But you know what? They wouldn't dare go across the street and help a neighbor and give them a cup of soup when they're sick. They wouldn't dare go across the street when their neighbor's sick and cut their grass or plow their snow. That's a dumb illustration. You don't have the grass here to cut, okay? Uh, you don't have snow either. You have, to, you have to figure out your own illustration like that. I'm, I'm thinking up north now. Okay, but find what works for you. But we want, we want to win the world, but we won't use our time. We don't want to take our resources. We want the church to do it. We want the government to do it. God said, I want you to do it. Use people that you know and rally them around so that people can know that, that I, in fact, do love them. Now, again, Christ's message has never changed. His methodology has not changed. He's still in calling people today, just like calling you and I, people like us, to do this thing called a towel and see God change lives. Fifth grade teacher, named Miss Thompson, and she was starting her fifth grade class, and as always, every year, she has her prepared speech that she gives. It goes something like, something like this. I love you all the same. You are special to me. I have no favorites. Friends, I don't want to pop your bubbles, but teachers lie. <laughs> this, she's lying. I've got two children who are teachers, and my daughter-in-law is a teacher. And they say, yeah, we have favorites. We don't love everybody. There's some that just get under our skin. But Miss Thompson, she gave her spiel, okay? And she said that. And uh, she had her favorites, and she had those that she didn't like too particularly. So she starts her fifth grade class with that little spiel, and it didn't take but a few days and then there was a little boy that began to get under her skin. His name was Teddy Stoddard. Little Teddy, he dirty clothes, he smelled, he didn't take baths, his hair was not combed well. When all the other students were listening intently to her teach, he was staring out in space. He only spoke in monosyllable words like, yeah, no, uh-uh. I mean, he just, it just got under her skin. And she said, you know, I had a particular delight when I would make my exes in red on his paper. And I had a little flair when I could write the word, the letter F, on his paper. Now, she knew better. She was a Sunday school teacher, for crying out loud. She should have known better. But she didn't matter to her. She just didn't like this boy. It was an irritation to her. But like all teachers, she had his records. And she had the records right in front of her. And she knew it, but it didn't make any difference. Let me read you what the records said from all of his teachers. First grade teacher. Teddy's a good boy. He shows promise. But it's a poor home life. Second grade teacher. Teddy's a good boy. He works hard, but he's getting behind. His mother is terminally ill. Third grade teacher. Teddy is so serious, he's deeply troubled. He's falling behind. His mother died this year, and his father shows no interest in helping Teddy. Fourth grade teacher. Teddy is a deeply troubled boy and will not pass until something happens. Now again, she had all the records didn't make any difference to her. She just didn't like him. She had her favorites. And she had continued that way until something happened that changed her life. It happened during the Christmas season. All year long, she wouldn't give Teddy the, the time of day and just felt he's going to fail. You know, and there's nothing I can do about it. So it's Christmas time, and back then the teacher, the kids would all bring the teachers their presents, and they all came in with nicely wrapped presents with bowls and colorful but there was one that everybody knew was Teddy's. It was a little 
brown paper bag that was greased and it was put together with scotch tape. And everybody knew that was Teddy's because all he could afford. And so the teacher, Miss Thompson, was opening the presents. So she came to Teddy's. And when she lifted up the brown paper bag, it was so grease-stained, the two items fell out. One was a, brine, a, lime, a, a limestone bracelet where half the stones were missing. And another was a little cheap bar of perfume that was half used. Well, the kids, kids began to giggle. And as every teacher can do, they gave her, she gave them the look. If you ever had the look from a teacher, you know you're in trouble. It's the look that I don't want no more. Stop it. And so they did. And so she, she put the bracelet on and said, children, oh, look how pretty the bracelet is. And she put the perfume and says, come smell and see how great it smells. She didn't think much more about it. So at the end of the day, bell rang, kids go, and she's up on the drawing of the blackboard erasing. And when she came around, there was Teddy. And for the first time, since she was the teacher of Teddy, he said some sentences that involved more than one-syllable words. Here's what he said. Miss Thompson, I'm glad you like the bracelet. You smell just like my mom. She said it took everything inside of her not to say anything. And Teddy just turned around and walked out. But as soon as he left the room, she fell to the ground just sobbing. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for being so selfish. God, if you will forgive me, I'll be a new teacher. I won't be the same. I'll see your image in people in these kids' lives, and I will commit myself to help them the very best that I can. So the next day, the kids came in, and what they did not know is they had a new teacher. No, not she was the same person, but she was not going to be just a teacher to give out information. She was going to be a catalyst for God to transform kids' lives. And so what she started doing is before school and after school, she came in early and stayed out later so that kids could come and be tutored who, didn't, who couldn't catch it just in the classroom. And Teddy was there morning and night, uh, afternoon. And she began to tutor, and she began to tutor uh, uh, Teddy. And through all that process of victory, he committed his life to Christ, came to the church, came to her Sunday school class. He was uh, his Sunday school teacher. Well, thank goodness that by the end of the fifth year, he had begun to stabilize, he began to, to flatten out. He wasn't falling behind, wasn't going great guns forward, but at least he was making it okay. And then he goes on to the sixth grade. And then a year later, uh, he, she gets this letter, okay? And here's what it says. Dear Miss Thompson... Can you believe it? I actually passed the sixth grade and will be going to middle school. Love, Teddy Stoddard, P.S. You're the bestest teacher in the whole wide world. Well, he went on to middle school, and it was in a different building, so she kind of lost touch with Teddy. Six years later, six years later, she gets another letter. Dear Miss Thompson, I'm graduating third in my class. How about that? Signed, Teddy Stoddard, P.S. You're still the bestest teacher in the whole wide world. He goes on to college. She didn't hear from Teddy for four years, and she got this letter four years later. Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to know, I wanted you to be the first to know that I graduated first in my class here in college. It's not been easy. My dad is dying of cancer. I hope one day to be a doctor, and I'm applying for medical school. Please pray that I get a scholarship to get in. Love, Teddy Stoddard. And you guessed it. P.S. You're still the bestest teacher 
in the whole wide world. Five years later, here's the last letter. Well, there are more letters, but here's the uh, one five years later. Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore J. Stoddard, M.D. How about that? Yeah, that's worth clapping about. He was a thrill for him. Says, med school has been hard, but I applied what you taught me. My dad passed away two years ago. The other reason I'm writing is this. I'm going to be married in July. Do I have a favor? Would you come and sit where my mom would have sat? You're the only family I have. Signed, Teddy Stoddard. P.S. You're still the bestest teacher in the whole wide world. Miss Thompson went. She said right where Teddy's mom would have sat. And she cried. And she deserved it. God used her to take a snotty-nosed little boy that decided was willing to give up on. And she saw God do a miracle in his life. Little did she know that this little snotty-nosed kid become a future Surgeon General of the United States of America. If you'd allow me to take you on a tour of the Midwest, I would take you to Des Moines, Des Moines Iowa. And I'd take you to see Methodist Hospital. And there in front of this hospital, I'd take you to the right side. And there's this new ward, Theodore J. Stoddard Cancer Ward. All because the teacher learned to use this thing called a towel. Now the same Jesus who spoke these words and John 13 is still here today. Same Jesus, same message. If you will humble yourself and learn to take a towel and say, God, if you can use me, use me to bring people to Christ. Let me love them to Christ by finding their needs. And let me be determined like a hound dog to stay on those needs until they ask, why am I doing this? Which gives them a gospel presentation of a platform to share the gospel. That is real, authentic Christianity. That's what it's all about. You ask, well, what will I get out of it? Well, listen carefully. It's not what you get out of it. It's what you become. You become alive. You become a conduit of the Spirit of the living God running through you. And you stand in awe of what God does. See, the towel does change others, but more importantly, it changes you and it changes me. To be like Christ. Jesus said before he was sent to heaven in Acts 1, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you realize when God begins to send us out, he uses this towel in El Paso, Texas. He uses this towel in Traverse City, Michigan. He uses this towel all over the world. Do you realize right now the fastest growing church in the world? Now get this, I was blown away. I saw it in USA Today and I contacted uh, one of the other pastors and I contacted our uh, INB and it's true. The fastest growing church in the world, guess what? Where? Iran. God is doing a revival in Iran of people who are rebelling against Muhammad. Rebelling against their religious system because they've seen the bankruptcy of it. And Christians who are willing to die, if necessary, to serve them and serve them to Jesus. How? By using the towel. The strategy is the same the world over. 
And what I'm going to do is we close this morning. I brought a little clip, and I want you to see how our missionaries are using this towel. And it'll be an encouragement to you because it's not that complicated. Anybody here can use this. You don't need to have a seminary education. You don't need to have, be a Bible scholar from a Bible college. All it takes is someone being willing to say, God, fill me with your spirit. Show me who you want me to love to Jesus, and let me use this towel to love them to the best of our ability. So I'm going to ask them to show this little video clip, and I'll come up and pray and close this in just a minute.
This towel works anywhere in the world. And as you see, it doesn't take a lot of what we think it takes to be used of God. I'll close with this one last illustration. We had a man in our church. He's been coming. Uh, years ago, I went to do my son's wedding in Traverse City uh, with he and his wife. And his daughter was roommates with my daughter-in-law. And they came to the wedding. They had been in church and he can't remember when. And so when we got there, uh, his daughter started coming. So she invited her mom and dad to come to church. And look, I, I don't want to go to church, but if, if I could ever go to church with that guy who did the wedding for, for your roommate, uh, uh, I, I'd go there. And he says, well, Dad, <laughs> guess what? He's here. He's the pastor who did that. He's been coming. And every Sunday he comes. Now, this is a man of great accomplishment. He just was recently inducted into the Bowling Hall of Fame here in the United States. Daughter, two-time All-American softball player in college. Uh, he began coming. And there was something that God was doing in his life. And we just began loving him, serving him. Uh, one of the ways you reach a, a grandparent's heart is you, you reach their your grandchildren. And so we started going to her little, their granddaughter's baseball game, T-ball. I mean, you know, this is the age of five where, you know, they're not paying attention. They're out in the left field looking around. Ball comes around. And, you know, I could have been thinking a lot of other things I'd rather be doing than watching a little t-ball game of little girls. But that meant a lot to him. And he began coming. As to start reading the Bible, he began reading the Bible. His wife was talking to my wife and said, he's getting interested. He's asking all kinds of questions. And just keep him reading the Bible. And we just kept loving to serve his needs. And one night, he, the next Sunday, he came up to me. He says, I did it. You did? What would you do? He said, I did that thing you're talking about. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I, 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 I gave my life to Christ. And I want to tell you, God gloriously saved this man. He's been as faithful as anybody in our whole church. And he's a bus driver. He's retired in the corporate America. And he drives a bus. And he said, that's my mission field. These are my, my missionary students uh, of his bus. And he says, pray that I can show them the love of Jesus. Just like someone showed me the love of Jesus through a towel. Paul said, do not be hearers of the word, but doers. Let's go out and be doers this week and see what God does. Come back next week and just hear the stories of what God is doing. But I'm going to ask you to come and play. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and ask Colleen to, to just play softly as, as I lead us. Let's bow our heads. Father, so often we make Christianity so complicated. And, Father, passages like this where Jesus kind of cuts to the quick and says, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. But there's a cost. And there's the cost. I don't want to paint such a great picture. Jesus said, if any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And Father, that means we've got to die to ourselves, our flesh, our wants, our desires. Die to self to live for others. And show your love with a towel. Doing things that we'd rather not be doing. But Father, that's what it means to be a believer, a follower of Christ. We follow you. You're our example. And help us to do that this week. To someone who has tremendous hurts. And let us not be put off if they lash out at us. Because that just means there's a, there's a hurt. And Father, where there's a hurt, there's an answer called Jesus. So Father, let us be Jesus in flesh and blood. 
that we would do the things that Jesus would do if the biblical Jesus were here in our shoes and say the things that the biblical Jesus would say if he were here in our shoes. And all it takes is us saying, God, I'm willing. And the question is, are we willing today? Father, we're not here to, to bring honor and glory to us. It takes humility. But we've got to get on their level. We've got to go to them. We've got to find out what's hurting them, where their pain level is. And then lean into that pain with the love of Jesus. Father, there's anybody here today who's hurting. And they know that by now that Jesus is the only answer. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. And Father, they would just say, Jesus, I don't understand it all. And I know I'm not worthy to receive your forgiveness of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. But God, I just receive that by faith. And ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And Jesus, to the best of my ability, I want to follow you. And one of the ways I know I'm following you is I'm going to use this thing called a towel. And just as you have loved on me through other people in this church at Coronado, let me be a vehicle to love on others as well. So, Father, there's anybody here today that wants to do that. Let them just cry out to you right now. If there's anybody here today that is wanting to do that, I'll be around. I'm going to be for the next service. I'm not going to be preaching, but I'll be here and just pulled me aside and said, I just want you to know, I, I threw my body to Christ. So, Father, for the rest of us, let us get serious about our walk with you and be authentic believers this week to share, share the love of Jesus by using this thing called a towel. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen and amen.